I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Wood Talk, for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who like to use a lot of words, yet say nothing at all. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it is Wood Talk number 345 for January 2nd, 2017. It's a new year. Not 2016, like the show notes say. It's 2017. Hey, I'm off to a good start. And I've learned my lesson in the new year to not read everything that's put in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that's very important. Uh, so on today's show, we're talking about epoxy shelf life, stropping, and bandsaw blade life expectancy. And uh, we have some people to thank, you know, because you guys really kicked in to help us out. Uh, we started that Patreon thing late 2016, and you guys jumped right in, and we really appreciate that support. So we're going to thank a few folks here, Chris Bova, Andre Perlander, Robert DeVries, and here we go. This is the whole Patreon list. A Baron, uh, a Baron Bale. Jeremy Conley, Chuck Thompson, Steve Edelman, uh, Matthew Barbacek, Jeff Ferguson, Daryl Mungie, Mungie, uh, Ryan Knight, Bill Vowles, Rick Urschel, Jim Jardine, Chris Orden, Alan Grant, Tommaso, we, we know him, he writes in all the time, Tommaso Valeriano, uh, George Thaller, Nicholas Stewart, and Jason Vieira. Thank you so much. We uh, really appreciate the support. Going forward in 2017, we hope to have well, uh, we do, what, almost three shows a week now? If you count the email extra, that's kind of nuts. So <laughs> our episode number is kind of going through the roof at this point. Um, but if you do uh, help us out on Patreon, there is a level, I believe it's the $4 level, where you get that email extra show. So if you want a little bit of extra content, just a little bit more fun to uh, fill your ear holes, we will provide you with that. So that's all at patreon.com slash woodtalk. And gentlemen, uh, we had like, what, two, three weeks off from podcasting. It's a little bit weird, but I feel relaxed. I feel ready to go. Uh, revitalized. Again? What's that? <laughs> Were you people again? Oh, that's right. Matt, welcome back to the show. Uh, this is Shannon. He's the guy oh. who talks a lot about Saul Flames or something. Saul Flames. <laughs> flaming Saws. Flaming Juggling Flaming job. Saws. We're yeah. taking the show in a whole new direction in 2017. Exactly, yes. Uh, it's going to be more, a, much more of a carnival bent to yeah, it. A little oh. bit of circus, a little carnival. Uh, I'm all for that. 
Uh, and uh, you know, the other thing here, here's a, uh, we're going to talk about this. I think in one of the extra shows about things we're planning on doing for 2017, like resolution wise. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to state right now that my new year's resolution is to, to be nicer to Matt. Oh God. <laughs> Cause over, <laughs> I have become aware over the uh, break that uh, apparently people think that I'm, I really don't like Matt. <laughs> so, you don't like me so much you make me come on the show every week just yeah, to torture me exactly it, it's 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 frankly something i take great uh pleasure in and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for him to start crying and it hasn't happened yet so i have to kind of keep digging in uh but no seriously could you, could i thought you that was imagine getting together for 90 minutes approximately 90 minutes every single week and not liking one another well and here's here's the thing you guys got to understand something i'm kind <laughs> of in control of this situation right and if i really didn't like matt do you think i'd keep him on the show <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like I clearly <laughs> like not. the guy. And this is what I said. Right like, someone said that on Facebook and I'm like, look, I have never invited anyone ever into the guild as a instructor, right? Like Matt was the first person I have ever done that with. You might think that I kind of <laughs> like, like the guy, <laughs> you know what I mean? like we're cool with each other. So, Hey, let's just, let's put this out there as a disclaimer. Matt's kind of like a little cousin to me. And he's like, that I like to pick on and mess with. And it's totally in jest. If you don't understand that, then you, you probably aren't familiar with our personalities on this show because that's kind of what we do sometimes. So yeah, I do love Matt. I would, uh, you know, I give him hugs when I see him in person. It's, it's, it's like that. Right. So we're cool. Uh, and you know what? Let's, let's do this. Me let's, on the other hand. Now, oh. Shan, yeah, that's a good point. You bring up Shannon. He's just the a glaringly obvious thing is that Mark hasn't mentioned me whatsoever. I can't so. stand it. He's too tall. Yeah. I go to hug him and my face is in his boobs. It's very uncomfortable <laughs> for me. I got a nice boobs. I don't like it at all. I motorboat him while I'm there. Oh, yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> All right. The truth so, of affection right there. Yeah, it is. So I'll tell you what, going into what's on the bench, I'm going to let Matt go. And I know over the last few months, you know, he's been talking about the bandsaw mill, but it's kind of been a little rinse and repeat. But he actually did reach a milestone while we were gone. And I figure it's a good time to let him talk about it, bring us up to speed and let us know how it's going. Guys, it, it worked. Yeah, I, I, I cut something with it. Mm. Yeah, but all I, did, all I saw was you cut softwood. So I, I have seen any hard cuts off wood. Doesn't care. Yeah, the, well, yeah, it's all the wheels are going to come off. Wood. You watch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be anywhere near that. The wheels come off. Right. <laughs> so what, was there any, any adjustments needing to be made? Like the, the first run, what'd you see? What'd you have to do? Yeah. So the first run, it was kind of like a screw it. I'm just going to start using this thing and uh, see how it goes, which could be, I guess could have ended badly, but it didn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, the way I have the mill set up right now, I don't have enough, um, I guess, space or allowance for the idle wheel to tilt enough to track the blade correctly onto the wheels. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like a half an inch too far off the wheel than it needs to be. So I'm not going to be cutting anything super big with it at this point because there's a lot of there's a lot of unsupported blade there. Sure, that's not getting tensioned correctly. And then the other fantastic thing I found out was that when I mounted my blade guides, somehow I got them to be too high and too far forward. <laughs> so even if I could track the blade correctly, my guides wouldn't actually be able to do anything. So right now I have them set to be providing thrust to the blade or thrust bearing to the blade at its current tracking position, but they are not touching the blade. I can't so get them down more. This thing is basically like freewheeling. <laughs> It is literally freewheeling. The cuts I've made so far have been unguided. 
which wow. they've been perfectly straight and true. So that just tells me how much of a different machine a mill is compared to like your indoor bands that were like, oh my god, it's drifting all over the place. No, this thing is in drift, and there's no guides doing anything. Yeah. And it's not even tracked correctly. So, tension, baby. Tension. So that's you know, there's something to be said about <clears throat> a really, really low pitch, like a really aggressive blade like you have that kind of follows its own track. <laughs> it's going know? where it's going. You know, it's it's not like there's anything, there's no lack of horsepower and there's no lack of gullet depth to carry the sawdust out, right? So it's just kind of doing its thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think with our, our bandsaws and stuff, we, you know, the gullets fill up and we don't necessarily have super, super huge horsepower. We also don't have, I imagine the, the blade itself probably has quite a bit more rigidity than like, you know, your typical 14 inch bandsaw blade. Yeah, much, much yeah. thicker. I think it's twice as thick. Wow. Yeah. I think we talked about that at one point. It's uh, 0.05 inches thick. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's got some serious thickness to it. So your guys are kind of just like a backup plan, really. If it really drifts really far up, it'll hit them. But that's it. I haven't even put the lower guides on yet either, so it can drift down. But that tension kind of keeps it in check. Um, But at this point, I've cut um, spruce, which is the first thing I cut. And then I've been cutting a little bit of box elder just for fun. And I I cannot feed it fast enough into the saw to get the blade to drift or for the motor to bog down at this point. Damn, hmm. that's awesome. Nice. And that box. So, so here's the the real question because I've been in this situation before where you build the tool or something and it's like oh that's not right and that's not right but hey it works. <laughs> so the job done. How many years before you actually address this issue? I mean, because it's like you, you I know you're excited to actually be like doing something else, <laughs> actually cutting logs and like being a woodworker again. That oh, would be a awesome. real struggle for me to like stop and go back to like welding and moving stuff around. Well, those, those adjustments shouldn't be terribly hard to do. I already have a plan to fix the guides. Basically all I'm going to do is literally take my circular saw out there, cut the post off and weld like a little spacer in there. So it um, pushes the post back a little bit and down because of the thickness of the spacer I'm welding in. So that'll solve that problem. And I need to get those. I, I want to get those resolved before I try and mill any of the really big stuff, because those are going to be a little more of a challenge, I think, given the horsepower of the motor, mm-hmm. especially. But um, Andy Klein was over this past weekend and we were talking. And he's like, you know, the horsepower of the motor might not matter too much if you're still manually feeding the log through the mill. Because in theory, what I could do is like jam the blade into the log like a quarter inch or a half an inch travel stop and let the motor spin the wheels back up again since those are big giant flywheels and just use the momentum from the wheels to cut the log slowly mm-hmm. so in theory maybe the horsepower of the motor is not going to matter as much as people think i guess right you know i'm not in kind of like rush either to cut these big things I, as long as i get cut and as long as it's faster than my chainsaw mill i don't which isn't <laughs> right. saying much dude the <laughs> there was one picture on facebook that was one of the funniest things concerning this bandsaw mill and he it was a picture of Andy standing. Oh yeah. And then <laughs> Bill, a Lavalsi, normal sized person. <laughs> yeah, he goes. The thing just looks much smaller now that it has a normal sized person standing next to it. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, that's so bad. It's true. It's true. The scale. <laughs> <laughs> the scale's different. Yeah, yeah. Well, good stuff, man. I'm glad to see it finally uh, uh, cutting some boards. And um, man, that's going to be very cool to watch as uh, you just take these logs, slap them through there. Oh, 
I wish, I wish what I kind of sizes are you running now? I mean, it looked like like that first board. I, I tuned in for your live stream because it was it was funny because it was like dark. Oh yeah, <laughs> you kept. I guess you kept like messing with the iris on the camera and something would brighten up or whatever. It was like yeah, yeah. you know, five minutes go by and it's like, how can he see anything? It's like, <laughs> what you need is a light <laughs> on that pencil <laughs> mill. But I couldn't quite tell again because the whole scale without a normal human in the picture, it was hard to see exactly how big of a log. Like, what's the biggest you've cut so far? That the the one that the first one I cut was the twelve inch diameter, and then the biggest thing I cut, I guess technically the crotch I just cut yesterday was the biggest because it was twenty inches at the crotch, but then it went down to a foot or twelve inches wow. at the other end. Nice. Okay. Huh. But with that, even going through that crotch, like just like I put a hand crank on there now too. I'll add that too. I I, I was pushing it by hand, which was fun, um, but I added a hand crank to make it a little bit easier. So I'm just like pulling it down the track with the crank. And even with that, like I'm like whipping that crank around, trying to get things to go as fast as possible. I can't, can't bog it down, enough. huh? Nice, so, nice. That's cool. I'll tell you what. Yeah. I don't, I don't want one of those, but I would love to live next door. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I can come over and borrow a, a, a couple lumber <laughs> every once in a while. A couple of lumber. <laughs> I borrow a couple of lumber, please. Yeah, let's grab some sawdust off the ground. Oh man, that's great. All right. So besides the sawmill, I'm guessing you're cranking out this guild stuff because I'm sitting here tapping my my fingers, going, "All right, Matt." Let's get these. Show, yeah. Let's get these shows up. <laughs> well, it, well, the other. I guess we didn't talk about that. I had a baby like oh weeks ago. Crap! What? So we totally got forgot to mention too. that. So yes, yeah, the guild like thing. A long has, time ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, two and a half weeks ago. A lot has happened it, since we've uh, done the last show. Yeah, so it's been it's been quite interesting, like that transition, <laughs> and like trying to get going on the guild too. Mm-hmm. Or I'm like. I thought I was going to have a lot more time, but no, we had like family over, which was good. And it was all good stuff. It's just like, now I'm like, okay, now I really got to get going. It's, it's funny how babies just eat up your spare time. It's very funny. That's the perfect word for it. Funny. <laughs> you have to laugh at it because otherwise you're going to cry. So, <laughs> But that's awesome. So baby's healthy. Mama's healthy. Everybody's happy. Yeah, everybody's happy. Baby just needs to learn to sleep at night and not during the day. Yeah. Oh man. So they got the cycle reversed. That's always fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like there's like I guess I'll add this point. We talked about this a few weeks ago with like our like owning your own business thing. Yeah. I I have no idea how someone who has a traditional job can have a child because there's no way that I could wake up like today. I got two hours of sleep before eight a.m. It's like there's no way I can get up and go to work and like <laughs> yeah. be a functional employee. Right. Like I'm self-employed. I took a nap. Yeah, well, I I'll have... tell you how it happens. It's either leave or you <laughs> like the mom does everything and then dad goes back to work, which sucks. I mean, it's kind yeah. of a, a terrible situation, but it's usually a couple months and you get through it and life goes on. Oh. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so the guild project is the farmhouse table and benches. So if you guys are interested in jumping on board with that, we're, we will be starting it very soon. We'll have the plans. I thought you were telling me, like, <laughs> so you know. Just as a reminder, Matt, uh, this is the name of the project. <laughs> this is the stuff you're supposed Sorry. to be working on. You might be a little scatterbrained. The audience there. No, yeah. Okay. We're, okay. I got to get back in this whole podcasting. Yeah. Right. We're doing a right. show for other people that are listening to this. So. I will step away from the microphone now. You can continue with your plug. Yeah, but this is the January project. I mean, it's, this is making you money, so you might want to let me do it. Um, <laughs> so it is the farmhouse table and benches. This is one of those projects that uh, is extremely popular. And I think we've mentioned this in the past that a lot of the plans that are out there for this type of uh, project 
aren't very good. And I, I mean that in the sense of they, they ignore a lot of wood movement rules and don't take into consideration longevity. And this is one that does. And Matt knocks it out of the park with this design. Uh, and it's definitely one that you want to uh, at least consider if, if not for your, like an outdoor table, this would make a fantastic sort of rustic looking, uh, large dining table, um, that you would want to have in the house. So a lot of, uh, angles on there, some great solid joinery. It's definitely something you want to check out. So go to, uh, the woodwhisperguild.com and check that out. That will be starting. Uh, we hope what Matt by the, by Friday first video. I hope so. I'm kind of putting this, them on the spot here. Made here, <laughs> so yeah. So we're plugging, plugging away. Um, all right. I guess I'll go next real quick. Um, mine is is kind of short and sweet. I finished up the arcade cabinet, so that was a build that had to occur before I even had my tools set up in the shop, and I uh, don't even have the power run. My tools are still just kind of clustered in the middle, so I could walk around them. And I'm using those uh, Dewalt FlexVolt tools, the battery powered do jobbies. Uh, to make this entire thing. And it was um, a lot of bevels, which was kind of annoying. But ultimately, <laughs> like when it comes down to it, there's there's fine furniture and then there's arcade cabinets. You know, it's like <laughs> when I do a bevel angle and I got to get these two pieces together, I basically do the tape trick over the joint, right? And put some glue in there, bring them together. And then it's brat nails all the way down. Uh, and by the time this thing is all together and glued and screwed and everything is on, it's secure. It's fine. It's not, you know, it's not my best work ever, but ultimately it's an arcade cabinet, right? I mean, I'll, my goal was to kind of make it a little bit, a little bit nicer than your average one, something that would be high on the spousal approval factor so that if you wanted to put this thing in a living room, it wouldn't be like a complete eyesore. Uh, and I think we kind of accomplished that just by using uh, just like a good plywood, uh, a walnut faced plywood, cabinet grade plywood, and then facing the edges with some uh, solid walnut edge banding. And uh, it came out pretty, pretty nice. But I got to tell you, man, I, it was very difficult ripping this thing out of my son's hands. And I like I, I don't know about you guys, but like retro gaming, I find it fun for about 15 seconds. And then I go, man, these graphics suck. <laughs> like, I, I got spoiled by everything, you know, current uh, graphics systems uh. and current game systems. But my, my son is not spoiled. Like, it's all pure to him. So he'll sit there and play Donkey Kong and Mario Brothers and he, like, old school 8-bit stuff, even Atari stuff. Uh, he gets into it. And, man, he was, he was pissed that that thing had to leave. <laughs> So, so guess what might be coming down the line in uh, in the shop again sometime soon is another arcade cabinet. Uh, yeah, but anyway, the chaos arcade cabinet. Yeah, and I don't know if I mentioned it on the show. I mean, it happened so quickly, but this build wasn't for me. Uh, it was for my buddy Brian from uh, Coverville and the Morning Stream. Uh, he approached me when, like, basically when we moved here. He's like, "Well, now that you're local, you could start doing stuff for me." <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and you know what's funny? That never works out. Like, if you just come up to me and say, "Hey, can you do that?" Like most of the time my schedule is pretty fixed and I can't just squeeze something in, but I'm like, all right, well, I've got to do this deal with DeWalt and I don't have my regular Powermatic tools all set up. Hey, this is a great opportunity to show how cool a battery powered system of tools could be when you don't have a shop that's like outfitted completely with 220 volt electricity. So, uh, it just worked out. The timing was great and I was able to knock it out pretty quickly. So it's raspberry Pi powered, if you guys are familiar with that, that's the the computer, the guts on the inside, mm, um, running Retro Pi, Pi, Pi. Yeah, and uh, so the electronics were a lot of fun, hooking up the buttons and the the joysticks and all that stuff. And uh, we basically gutted a set of like two inch computer speakers, USB powered speakers, gutted them, pulled them out, and installed those into the system. There's a LED lit marquee 
which is a lot of fun. And um, so I got to hear from Brian. I don't know how it's working now a few days later, but uh, definitely one of my most fun projects, certainly not high degree of difficulty, but a ton of fun to make in terms of like functionality. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next time that Brian has like the neighbor over to do like late night karaoke and drunken festivities (laughs) to see the covercade in the background. Right. Then have suddenly have like turned it into a drinking game. Yeah. (laughs) Donkey Kong with beer. That's what I'm waiting for. Yeah. And I'm waiting for like the repair requests. (laughs) Like (laughs) the thing was knocked on the floor. Can you, you know, can you attach this part again? But oh yeah. Yeah. Please be gentle with it. Um, So yeah, I'll have the plans out for that uh, probably by the end of the week. I'm I'm hoping to have that out. But this is one of those deals with DeWalt. I've got to send a preliminary video, which is a process I love, uh, to find out if it meets their requirements, whatever those might be, and then, uh, you know, make some changes and then finally get to put the video out. So super excited about that. It's going to be a sweet one. I hope so. Yeah, you know, and the funny thing is it is one of those deals, and I guess you guys touch on this stuff too, if you venture into an area you don't normally cover, and for me, arcades, right? There's a, oh, yeah. There's I know a whole, about that. There's a whole oh, world no. out there of, of full of uh, folks who know more about this than I do. So I can't wait <laughs> for all of the feedback about what I should have done <laughs> instead of what I did. Um, but the goal is like, look, you build the cabinet. You could put anything you want inside and you could, you could wire it up any way you want to. The cabinet is still what it is. You know, it's well built. It does the job. Hopefully people will uh, enjoy the plans and be able to make something for themselves. Uh, Shannon, what's been going on with you? Well, um, I kind of took advantage of the holiday and finished up some stuff. Uh, you know, I certainly had gifts and things that dragged on, um, to the point where Christmas Eve at 11 o'clock at night, I'm doing friction polish on the lathe. Oh man, you're one of those, one of those guys. Um, There's a couple that got done on Christmas day. And to be Uh, fair, those, those gifts weren't exchanged until the 27th, but still it was, which is always the worst thing. Like we have like this two part Christmas thing where there's stuff that happens on the day. And then like the immediate family exchanges gifts a couple days later, usually, um, so that has always kind of had this built-in like buffer that I usually go, well, I don't really need that, but I fully take advantage of it because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is, you know, I'm working up until, you know, finally you get, you know, a day off for Christmas or whatever. So it's just this day that I've got to work in the shop. So I end up doing a fair amount of those gifts for the immediate family right, you know, on Christmas Day. So right. got all that stuff done and then literally just... Uh, I got my new dust collector put in. Um, gosh, yeah, it's been a while since we've podcasted. Lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it has. Yes. Um, <laughs> I got the new dust collector put in um, and uh, kind of because the, the dust collector had been shut off. It was the old one was working. I just kind of shut it down to clean it up um, before you know, I didn't want to give it to the guy who bought it, like completely caked in dust and everything. So then once I cleaned it up, I was like, well, I can't fire it up again. So I had no dust collector for uh, about a month. So I finally just took the opportunity to just do some serious cleaning and, you know, rehung some stuff, reorganized some things, moved some stuff around, kind of getting ready to to jump into um, some bigger projects. And I was all set to get started on some other work. And suddenly now there's this group build going on in the Hanchel School community. So I guess I'm building a bookcase now. Ah, they wrote <laughs> One of those in. peer pressure things that you got sucked in. Nice. So, yeah, the... um. Just a simple, simple bookcase coming out of uh, Schwartz's Anarchist Design mm-hmm. book. So I've got lumber sitting on my bench right now to build a bookcase. I'm actually kind of looking forward to it because 
it is pretty simple, like in design wise. So it gives you lots of opportunity to kind of throw your own stamp on it, mm-hmm. make a curve here, make a, something here, a little whatever, just to make it your own design. So I haven't quite figured out what I'm going to do yet. I've, I've literally just got boards laying on my bench and kind of lumber crayon all over them for <laughs> telling me where I should cut stuff and everything. But again, it's one of like my favorite parts of a project that it's nothing but potential. You know, I haven't screwed anything up yet, so right. it's still still nothing but excitement. The and future potential, is still so. bright. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. but yeah, it, 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 it should be fun. It's it's one of those things where you go, yeah, that's definitely what I don't need to do is add another project to the queue, but why not? You know, well, and you can always use a bookcase, you know? Yeah, go- well, that was my thought, too, is it's not like it's going to be not used. I mean, we've got, I've got a stack of books, like, right next to me right now, sitting mm-hmm. on top of the printer that never gets used in our house <laughs> right Why do we even have a printer i don't know <laughs> and we don't use it because i've got like 20 woodworking books stacked up on it right now so you know this certainly will get used um i'm gonna get a chance to play with um some rot nails that'll be kind of fun never i never really used rot nails before because they're super expensive so yeah it i'm going full like chores on this kind of basically follow his his instructions and i'll probably even whip out the milk paint at some point Nice. Uh, it should be fun. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Sounds good. Uh, all right, let's get into what's new. And i uh, got a couple quick announcements here. Uh, there's a Denver area maker meetup, and uh, that's being run by Charlie and Andy to, uh, well, where's Charlie live? He just happens to be uh, in the Fridley. area. Where is it again? Fridley over by me. Okay. Yeah. So he, but he, okay. So I guess he's going to be in the area and wanted to have this meetup and coordinated with Andy. Uh, and I'm part of it as well. So if anyone is interested in that, there's a Facebook event. Uh, sounds so surprised. <laughs> yeah. Well, so these guys told me that I'm supposed to be at this place. Uh, I don't know, That's kind of what it was. They just said, Hey, you want to show up? I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. It's fine. <laughs> I've been, you know, I've been meaning to do it since we were here just cause there's a lot of, uh, just local Denver area people who've emailed and said, Hey, we should have a meetup. We should have a meetup. So here's a meetup. And, uh, it's going to, let's see, all the details are on the events page on Facebook. And I guess if you email me or whatever, I can give them to you as well. Um, but it's December 19th, I think at about four 30 at, uh, where else some kind of a bar and grill type place. Cause that's where meetups happen. And you mean uh, January 19th, did I say December that? 19th already happened? I meant January. Uh, <laughs> I know it's been a while. Completely brain dead. It is 2017. That's right. Uh, so yeah, January 19th will be the event and uh, definitely check it out. Hope look forward to seeing some people here, meeting some uh, of my new neighbors, which will be pretty cool. Uh, also happening right after that, basically as soon as I'm done with the meetup, uh, maybe the next morning, packing up the car and heading to Kansas City for the woodworking show. And uh, I will be there on Saturday of that weekend. So it's like the weekend of the 20th and whatever Saturday is, maybe the 21st or something. I don't know. I have to look at a calendar. Uh, but Nicole and I will both be there selling some books, probably doing some Q and A's, uh, shaking babies, um, kissing hands, all that stuff. So if you're in the Kansas city area, I would love to meet you there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Right on on that same note. Actually, it's not in the notes, but, um, I'm going to show up at the woodworking show in, uh, Baltimore, Timonium, Maryland. That's oh, nice. this coming weekend. Isn't that the first one, the launch yeah. of the series? Yeah, it's to the point where I always forget about it because yes. it happens the first weekend of January. And it's like, you just came out of Christmas and all that stuff and went back to work and mm-hmm. like, oh, right, there's a show. So I actually am not certain. I think probably I'm going to go on Saturday. Um, but I've heard from a bunch of like Hanto School members that some of them can't go Saturday, some want to go Sunday. But I don't know. So I'm going to go. It's been a couple cool. of years since I've been. I've heard that it's uh it's become quite a good show. So I'm looking forward to that. Very nice. 
All right, what's the next one here? Uh, you- oh, um, Jay, Jay Bates had, did a video <clears throat> that I really enjoyed, which makes it sound like I don't normally You sound like you're surprised stuff. by that. <laughs> yeah. I cannot believe well, I enjoyed this. Uh. It, it was one of those inside baseball videos because he was making a camera stand, you know, but uh, let's face it. There's a lot of content creators out there. So, you know, he's got a pretty sizable audience of people that are also making videos too. So it actually worked out pretty well, but it was just one of those things that like, I'm kind of annoyed with, but I didn't realize I was annoyed with it. Um, my tripod, it's a really good tripod. See, in Jay's case, he said, I've, I've spent like money on crappy tripods and keep throwing them out and just haven't really, you know, thought it was worthwhile to spend decent money on a tripod. Well, I spent decent money on a tripod several years ago and it's a very nice tripod, but it just takes up so much space, like the widespread legs on the tripod. And I've thought about putting like a mobile base on it, but I just, my shop is so small. It just doesn't make sense. So, um, there's been lots of these on YouTube already, but there's just something about the one that Jay made, which was kind of, you know, it's the whole concrete in a bucket as the, the weight at the bottom. Um, and put that on wheels and kind of slides around and it decreases the footprint, which I just thought was really, really cool. Smart. But it was one of those things where you, you get those like very proud woodworker moments like I'm going to make something. And, then you know, I he just made this like rotating parallelogram boom arm and everything. And it was just one of those very cool kind of creative um, projects where okay, well, I've got some wood. <laughs> let's drill a hole here, <laughs> drill a hole here. Okay, let's clamp this down and we're good to go, you know? Right. And it looks like, you know, there was some adjustments he made after the fact. When I went and looked at the video today, there were some comments where he had stripped out a bolt or something like that. But it's it's kind of all part of it, right? You know, we don't get it right the first time around, but you have the ability to tweak it because it was your design. So I definitely think I'm going to make something like this just because it's, it's, it definitely fills a need. It would be so nice to not have like big widespread tripod legs that I literally am tripping over yeah. or like trying to like weave between, between things, you know, so that I can move the camera back far enough to get something in the shot. So yeah, I quite enjoyed it. So thank you, Jay. It's a good idea. Nice. Very good. And I see a mention here about uh, our good buddy, Matt Vanderlis, I guess got back in the shop and did something. Yeah. Well, if you <laughs> think about it back when Matt was on the show, like, several years prior to Matt leaving the show, Mm -hmm. he was talking about rebuilding a workbench. And I feel like at least a year prior to him leaving the show, he bought lumber for it. Yes. Oh, wow. It has happened. And you know what? It's a sweet looking bench too. So congratulations, Matt. It's good to see him back in the shop and good to see him actually finally get that bench done. It really is. And I'm just wondering why the heck there isn't anything on his website. I guess he just posted some pictures to Facebook, right? And that was it. Well, no, it sounded like this was a build for himself. No cameras, nothing. Just well, get out there nice. and get built. So. Good for him. Awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Glad to see him making some sawdust. Uh, all right. Let's get into our kickback. And this one, if I could find it, is from a voicemail. Hold on. Skype is confusing sometimes. Here it is. Hey, guys. This is Barry from the southwestern part of Virginia. And I'm listening to episode 339. And a guy asked about resawing panels that were over six inches, which was the capacity of his bandsaw. You guys left out a really obvious, and I mean really obvious solution that sucks, but it's still an obvious solution. Why don't you just rip down those panels a little bit to make them less than six inches? Then you can resaw them, and then you can glue them back together. you got a glue seam, but the, hopefully the grain would match up pretty closely. It's a solution. It's not a great one, but hey... I really thought somebody would make that obvious answer. So shame on you. 
but I still love your show. I'm still going to keep listening. And hey, I'm I'm on three thirty nine. I've got just a couple to catch back up. So if somebody's already given this answer, kudos to them and Merry Christmas to you all. Thanks. Bye. All right. So you know why we didn't give that obvious answer? Uh, it's a sin. No, because it's, it's obvious. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's what it comes down to. I think when someone emails us and this, this might be a problem with assumptions that we make sometimes kind of like when we talk about tool buying and we forget to just mention also look at used tools, you know, like that's happened to us. And I can't believe you guys don't talk about used tools. We kind of assume that that's something you're going to be doing. If you could find the one you want used and find it. So similar situation here when someone says, I'd like to resaw a six inch board and it's beyond the capacity of my saw. Well, of course you, you can cut it down and resaw it. Maybe this guy doesn't know that and that's wrong of us to make that assumption. But that is the assumption we're making is the person is aware that they can cut it down to make it more narrow to fit under and then glue it back together. But he's trying to find a way to retain that full six inch width and that's what we're trying to help them with. So I guess that's the reason why. But, you know, voicemail kickbacks like this help us uh, stay on track. And if we miss something, um, it's always good to let us know. Well, there's one of those like, like, I mean, Matt, Matt saws his own lumber, you know, and it's like he can saw at any width of board that he wants, you know, and if you can't resaw it, put it on the bandsaw mill. Me, I started <laughs> using true. hand tools because of the whole, my machine doesn't have the capacity to do this. Now mm-hmm. that I use hand tools, there's no such thing as capacity, you know? So I, yeah, I would never even think about that anymore. To me, what did you say, Matt? It's a sin? Yeah, I agree. It feels like a sin <laughs> to rip a board into narrow parts and then glue it Loose back together. Loose are evil. <laughs> yes, they can be. And I like how we each have different solutions to this. Matt builds an amazing tool. Uh, Shannon switches gears and goes to hand tools. And I just buy a bigger saw. <laughs> you know, I'd throw yeah. money at the problem. So. Buy one of these. I guess somewhere somewhere, somewhere along the line, your solution will be there amongst the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, good stuff. All right. Thanks for that, Barry. And uh, here's some kickback from uh, we went from Barry to Gary. And uh, this was actually left on the website. Gary Badger says, in response to our, uh, what was it? The lathe conversation we had about, should we buy, should a person buy cheap to allow them to get accessories uh, or should they buy a better unit, giving them more capacity and hold off on the accessories? So Gary says, the Harbor Freight 10 inch model can only handle 18 inches in length and a half horsepower. Uh, The benchtop model is 12 inch and that's 33 inches in length, three quarter horsepower with floor stand. And then he adds, it might be good to look up the tool before talking about it. And mm. I, I just I just want to say this, all right? I've had a lot of uh, troll issues in the last <laughs> last few weeks <laughs> since the show, and I've been trying to digest all of this and, and try to, to come to terms with it in a way that makes me not want to punch people in the face. And not that I want to do that to Gary, because I don't think what he said is that bad. But you don't have to lace your comments with, like, jerk juice, right? There are ways to say things. So here, as a community of woodworkers, let's all try not to drip the jerk juice all over our comments, right? So if, if you, that's what these comments are here for. And that's what kickback is here for. So you can let us know things we might've missed, you know, like Barry just did, uh, or, or tell us like stats that might or might not matter. Um, you know, I don't think those stats affected the outcome of our conversation about what we were trying to answer for the person those stats are fine, but I don't think they, they like negated any of the advice we gave. So the point is, if you want to say, Hey, just FYI, here's those stats. That's so much nicer. Let's just be nice. You know, I think it'll be a, uh, the, the internet could be a better place if we all just make that effort. Now I'm getting off my soapbox. Okay. It just bothered That's me. Okay. I was watching Matt Cremona slice a 
piece of box elder with a cool hand crank while you were saying that. <laughs> I, I want to go watch that too, actually. It would make me feel a lot better about this. Uh, is there anything this thing better? really cuts fast, man. But, but is I there don't... anything better than like fresh cut box elder? I mean, in terms of just that flaming oh, reddish pinkish color is just unbelievable. Mm, fresh cut deep dish pizza. Mm, that's, that's, oh, kind of, that's actually that's what it better. looks like a little bit. That's, that's much better than box elder. Uh, but deep fresh dish pizza, come on, man. Cake. That's that's like fresh pizza soup. Pizza soup. <laughs> Who eats pizza soup? There's sh- <laughs> Chicago people. You're do. in Denver now. You need to go to Bojo's, by the way. Okay, so I'll look for sure it. Check that out. I did find a thin crust wood fired oven place that's just fantastic in the little, Littleton area. <laughs> Uh, but we digress. <laughs> we digress on a multi-level digression. That was really good. Yeah, see, we're not doing mid-rolls anymore, so we're just going to do a, like a mid-roll where we just talk about food. Yeah, you know, I like whatever. that. Uh, what'd you guys have for lunch? Um, okay, so there was a, a another one here. I'm going to delete that because I don't remember what that was in reference to. <laughs> sorry, bye. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that one. Um, Matt, how about you grab this last one? Uh, yes, two weeks off. Two weeks off. What am I going to do now for a standard emergency work-related teleconference call when I'm supposed to be hanging out with my with the mother-in-law and her sugar daddy? Seriously, we <laughs> seriously we need to have a discussion about this in the future. Please submit next year's vacation request for rejection. What well, I mean, consideration. Merry Christmas, guys. Yes, this is count as my festivist grievance. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the, we just, I think the the break was a very last minute decision. Like we're coming up on the next show, and I was like, hey guys, it's uh, Christmas time. Let's take a break. Like, Speaking okay. of how you control things, yeah, Mark exactly. says, let's take a break. We take a break. We take a break. <laughs> that's how it right. works. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, the two-week break is kind of a lot. But I think at the output level that we have now, um, you know, with three pieces of content a week for this show, I think, um, I don't know, I think we deserve two weeks off. Uh, I'll take that. Okay, another voicemail here. This one is a question, and it's from uh, Brad. Hey, guys, this is Brad from Norfolk. Hey, I really love your show. I listen to it uh, all the time on the way to work. Hey, I got a two-part question for you. I'm building a dining room table for my rather large family. And I've uh, finished the pedestals. I've made them out of Douglas fir, and I'm staying in walnut. At the top, I'm using, I'm using teak that I that I brought back from Africa years ago. So it's kind of sentimental. But I got it plain down to uh, three-quarter of an inch. My question is this. I don't know how the best way to finish uh, a dining room tabletop. I don't know what finish to put on it. It'll be durable. Uh, so my kids won't beat up. And the second question is, I plan on doing breadboard ends um, on this table. And I didn't know the best approach to go about doing that. It's only three-quarter inch thick. If there's any, any rules of thumb I should follow, anything I should be aware of. Anyways, thanks, guys. Appreciate it very much. All right. I'm going to throw the breadboard ends question to Shannon in a minute. But concerning the, the tabletop, the thing that complicates this is that it's teak. Because normally what I would say is like, just use some wipe on poly. I mean, really, when you think about accessible finishes that the average person can apply easily, it's hard to go wrong with a wiping polyurethane for durability for a surface like that. Um, And if you go the other route, like treat it like a workbench, it's something that's going to get beat up. So put a finish on it that's easily repairable, maybe like a Danish oil or something. Um, That still, again, oil-based starts to make me nervous because this is teak. And I don't know how well the teak is going to enjoy that finish on, on top of it. So I think you might have to pre-coat maybe with some shellac and then build up a, a poly coat from there if you're going to do that. But um, Matt, do you have any other suggestions considering this is a, a teak surface? I know nothing about teak. <laughs> so that's a no? <laughs> Other than that's when he said teak, I'm like, oh, something's going to be goofy with the finish then. You're so right, I'm glad right. you went in that direction. But that's yeah. about all I know about that. 
Okay. See, it's so interesting because I feel like I don't want to come right out and say that that's a myth because there's definitely credence to the fact that teak is oily, you know, and kind of waxy and it can interfere with stuff. But it really depends upon the teak. Like good quality FEQ teak, first European quality teak, like the stuff that boat builders use. I have never had problems with finish or glue. You know, everybody always says that you got to use a polyurethane glue. You got to wipe it down with mineral spirits, you know, before you apply. And like, I've never had that problem. But I've recently it occurred to me because I, I work for one of the largest importers of teak. We have really good first European quality teak because most of our customers are boat builders. But the other stuff like the plantation stuff, the the lesser grade non-FEQ teak, um, it's a heck of a lot more resinous. So I, I can only assume that the problems that people are having, and it's not like this is bad teak. It's not like it's bad quality. It's just boat builder. It's kind of like luthier grade. It's the highest of highest of highest grades out there. So I, I, I mean, I've never had a, an issue where just a wipe down with mineral spirits and you're fine. You know, um, a seal coat might be a good idea, but uh, you know, I don't know. You're probably not going to really know until you try the, it, though, is the problem. Right. I mean, this has happened with me with Purple Heart and Babinga, where people have said, oh, I have trouble using oil-based finishes on there. And I've I've never had that problem. Like, they cure just fine. Yeah. So it does, you know, depend board by board. But I guess he's going to have oh, to well. test it out on the bottom or something just to... I was going to say, fortunately, there's an underside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> test it out first, then if you can. But I, I, I mean, do you have any... Either of you think anything beyond just a simple wiping poly or, or armor seal or something along those lines? I mean... It seems to be the most no. accessible solution. I mean, I think ultimately the function has to trump anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a dining table, so it's going to take abuse. So you need a finish that's going to stand up to abuse. It doesn't matter what the species is. Choose your your finish for that. And then if the the species is a little bit funky, well, again, the whole wipe it down with naphtha or mineral spirits just to kind of clean off any of that that resin. You know, and as long as you don't walk away and leave it for you know a couple of days. Because that stuff flashes off in minutes and then apply your your next coat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if you're really concerned about it, use an oil-based, like whatever you just, like the mineral spirits that you just wiped it down, now use a finish that's mineral spirits based. You don't even have to let it flash off. That's you know? a good idea. You're good to go. <laughs> uh, all right. If you want to leave us a voicemail like those folks did, uh, kick back or question. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you want to answer another question? Or? Okay. <sighs> Sorry, Brad. Matt, Mark is just on a roll. I'm in a rush. Show's going long. Get out of here. My bad. All right. So breadboard ends. Quick overview. Well, if, if if he's doing them in, th- if the top is three quarters of an inch, that I definitely say you want breadboard ends because that three quarter inch top is going to be much more prone to potato chipping than something mm-hmm. thicker with a little bit more beam strength to it. Um, as far as rules of thumb, um, you know, the same thing as with any tenon. You know, divide your your top up into thirds and make your tenon one third. So you've got a third um, third shoulder, one third of the thickness shoulder on either side of that tenon. Um, as far as the process, I will always plow the groove into the breadboard first. And then I actually uh, will chop out my mortises because the, the groove actually guides where those mortises go. Um, I usually, I don't really have a rule of thumb for how long I make the mortises. Uh, at least two thirds the width of the breadboard itself, um, and then um, I make one big giant tenon. So if if the tenon needs to be two inches long to go to the bottom of the mortise, I will make a two inch wide or two inch long tenon across the entire width of the table, and then I'll come in and cut out the individual tenons, leaving that little stub tenon in between. Um, just because, frankly, that stub tenon inside the joint. 
doesn't matter how long it is, as long as it's registering in that groove. It doesn't have to bottom out. It doesn't even have to be straight. It just has to register in that groove because that's what's providing that that um, what some call it support force support. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> the support to prevent it from from um, buckling and cupping and everything on you. So right, yeah, okay. Base the mortise and tenon with the stub in between. A fancy one. Stub um, tenon. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, all three of us have probably covered this to some extent in videos, uh, project videos on our websites. Yeah, yeah. The um, yeah. the dining table that I did up in Maine, um, there's a whole episode dedicated to the breadboards there. Um, there's even another episode on drawboring those breadboards. Yeah. So, yeah. Knock yourself out. Cool. All right. And uh, now I can do this. Uh, if you want to leave a voicemail, you can just call us on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online, or you can call us on the phone number, 623-242-5180, or um, woodtalkonline at gmail.com. You just want to send us a voice message directly from your phone. That works, too. All right, let's get into our email. First one I have here is from Joe Lipinski. Got this off a of Patreon. He says, I'm considering investing in the West Systems epoxy kit so that I can actually do some project assembly during the cold months. The 205 hardener says that it can work down to 40 degrees Fahrenheit. My question is regarding shelf life, since I probably wouldn't hassle with it when I use a PVA glue. Uh, have you guys had any shelf life issues with the resin or the hardener? And uh, this is interesting because I would, I'm going to guess that heat I mean, like take extreme cold out of the equation. Heat, I think, is probably going to be more damaging to those materials than cooler weather. In fact, I feel like cooler weather might actually help extend its shelf life versus warmer. I don't know that for a fact, but that's what my gut tells me, and I'm just kind of making it up. So so the reason I bring that up is because in Arizona, I have had these gallons, and I buy them like every couple of years. And they are fine. The glue is fine. Like the hold is fine. I've never had a problem and I have not hit the shelf life. So whatever they even claim it is, I don't, I don't even know. I should probably look it up. Uh, they don't claim one. They don't they okay. say many years, many, um, many, proper many storage years. for many, many years. And they even go so far as to say uh, repeated freeze and thaw cycles during storage may cause crystallization of the resin, mm-hmm. but you can warm the resin to 125 degrees and stir to dissolve the crystals. Boom. There so, you go. So this stuff is I pretty I can't even durable. tell you how old my West Systems epoxy is and it's still fine. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't use it that much, but I went ahead and bought like his word invested is a good word for it. It is. It's not cheap. Uh-huh. You know, I bought like the big thing of it with like the extra pump and everything. And as long as you don't like cross contaminate, they're not going to cure. They're almost, dare I say, inert. Um, I want to say they're at least five years old, maybe even more. Oh, wow. And I just used it like over Christmas break to glue mm-hmm. uh, a lathe project together. And it worked just fine. So there you go. <laughs> well, you guys, <clears throat> you know how long I've been talking about epoxy, right? It's probably at least on the wood Years. whisper. It's been a long time. I'm on my second one in yeah. that time frame, right? That's it? So, yeah, I'm on my second God, uh, You don't use much epoxy for I, someone who talks about it all the time. I really don't. <laughs> I don't. I, uh, I usually I just paint my nails with it once in a while, and it's oh. fine. <laughs> now, I will tell you that the, uh, the fast hardener is more of a – a browner color. And I found that at least in Arizona, it gets to a really, really dark sort of chocolatey, like cooked caramel sort of look to it. And that actually works in my favor a lot of the time, because, you know, if you're using a dark colored wood or filling a knot, you rarely have to do anything like adding a dye to it. It actually looks great right out of the can. Pretty tinted. It is. And uh, it does, but I've, I've noticed no impact on its, um, you know, efficacy. It works just fine. So there you go. Good. Good stuff. 
I guess I should go then. Huh? I'm just waiting. I was looking for you to drink, but there's no video. I did drink, actually. I was lost. (laughs) Uh, This next question comes from Darth Rust, also from our uh, Patreon feed. He says, I've sharpened water stones and jigs. I've recently started using a strop and compound for the chisels. It seems like I'm getting sharper by stopping at the stones than continuing on and polishing with a strop. What's good stropping technique look like, and how can I tell it's been done right? Uh, leave the blade in the jig or not polish the back or not assume I know very little. I love that. <laughs> See, that's actually really helpful. Going back to our original our kickback about <laughs> yeah, we assume the question. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Assume I know nothing. So um, I am, I'm a big strop fan. Uh, probably 90% of my sharpening is done on a strop uh, to the point where my stones will go, you know, unwetted for weeks and weeks and weeks on end, just because I love my strop. So I I do not use uh, a guide at all, um, but I know plenty of people who just keep it in the honing guide and just take it right over to the strop. Um, but that those people seem to be doing okay. But to me, I, I feel like that might be a bit of the problem because the strop essentially, because the leather has a little bit of give to it, uh, even the, you know, the, the, the infamous horse butt leather <laughs> still has a little bit of give to it. And that's one of the reasons it works because it kind of, spooges around the edge a little you know and well, gives you there's that word uh, again yeah there's that word i did that on purpose just for you mark <laughs> Thank um, you. It, it kind of wraps <laughs> around the edge and essentially at, at, a, at a very not even microscopic level it's essentially creating a convex bevel um it's rounding over the tip a little bit which is why people say if you do too much dropping eventually you get this dubbing effect where you've got a rounded over edge and it can be really difficult to uh, bring up a burr and you just go back to the stones and reestablish the bevel I've found that that dubbing effect, while it does happen, it doesn't happen nearly as fast as some of the internet pundits would have you believe, um, considering I can go for years and years and years. But the convex bevel idea is a perfectly legit method of sharpening that's been around for several hundred years. It's just a matter of you're changing that angle and making it a little bit steeper each time. So this is where the jig might be the problem, because the jig is forcing that chisel to maintain that specific angle. And if it is, in fact, rounding over the edge a little bit, it might be taking a lot longer to pull up a burr. So the question is, how do you know when it's good when you get a burr on the back? And and yes, you do polish the back. It's not like we're spending a lot of time. But one of the things I like about my horse butt strop is there's that smooth side and the rough side. I will flip it over and work on the smooth side. And when I polish the back, you can actually see the burr come off. The little line of gray is that that wire edge pulls off, and that's when I know I'm done. When I can see that wire edge come off, I know I'm done. But if the jig is rounding that over, it's it's steepening that angle, and you may not be getting that burr. And because a strop is incredibly, 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 incredibly fine, it's obviously taking even longer to remove steel. So I would actually recommend, this may scare people, but I would actually recommend <laughs> taking it out of the honing guide. You don't have to match that angle. It's, it's really not um, as precise as people might think it is. So if you're getting a burr on your stones and you just want to polish a little bit more on the strop, take it out of the jig and make like 10 passes on the strop. And don't be afraid if your angle slips. If it slips and goes shallower, you're not going to affect the, the angle, right? You're, you're, which, uh, you're polishing the heel of the bevel rather than the toe, the cutting edge of the bevel. If you angle it up a little bit, it's so fine that it's not like it's going to remove a huge amount of steel. 
All it is is just kind of polishing up that edge and refining the edge that you've already created. So don't go at it for a half an hour on the strop. Literally 10 passes, decent amount of pressure down, and you're done. And see what happens. And you know what? If it's still you're getting a better edge on the stones, then don't go to the strop. (laughs) (laughs) It may not work for everybody. I happen to love it. It works great for me. But, you know, maybe that's because I already do everything freehand that I'm not kind of frightened by that. So give it a give it a shot, Darth Rust. Ditch the jig on the on the strop and see what happens. Ditch the jig, baby. <laughs> that was a way longer answer than it needed to be. That's okay. That's what you're here for. Yeah. <laughs> kind of your thing. You yeah. Know? <laughs> nice. <The> calling card. <laughs> I love you. Uh this next one's from Wade. <laughs> I want to know about how long a typical bandsaw blade can be expected to last. I realize that there are variables such as how many board feet, the kind of lumber, etc. After installing a new blade, resawing is easy. After about a month, it becomes a challenge for me to resaw. Am I spoiled and keep using? Am I spoiled and and keep using the dull blades, or should I just replace the blades I use Infinity or Northfield blades? Um, yeah. So definitely a lot of variables in there, depending on especially like how much you use it, so how much like actual like square footage of lumber goes through that saw. Um, I'm thinking back to like when I used to use a like a standard or whatever you want to call it metal blade or whatever they are and i i'd say like once i got like a decent blade on there for the first time and i got the blade like cutting correctly i used my bandsaw a lot like a lot more than i used to then i realized how quickly i actually ran through one of these blades um so i think my biggest suggestion might be if you're going through a blade every month you might want to look at carbide because at that point you're not really looking at like a whole bunch of like offsetting of the cost because that's kind of the biggest thing about the carbide blades. It's a big investment. But mm-hmm. if you're going through a blade every month, I mean, how long is it going to take you to use up enough of those blades to pay for that carbide blade? I, I know for me, the blade I had in my saw, the last one I had in the carbide blade, went for 34 months. And before Jeez. that, I was switching the blade out every um, two months. So, uh, yeah, I paid for itself quite a bit. And I had to worry about changing the blade ever. Or whatever. So I, th- I think it'd be a strong consideration to take a look at a carbide blade. Otherwise, just stock a whole bunch of blades and make sure you got a bunch of them on hand. So you don't have to worry about when they get dull. You can just change them out when you need to. Yeah. And the nice thing about the carbide, too, is you get more consistently good results throughout the life. Whereas the regular blades, as they start to dull, your results mm-hmm. get a little bit worse and they're a little harder to deal with until you get frustrated and take it off. Uh, the carbide is going to give you a little more consistency as it ages. Cool. All right, um, so I think that just about wraps it up. Um, we do have the email extra coming up here for $4 patrons. That's over at patreon.com slash woodtalk. And today we're going to talk about lathes. We're going to let Shannon talk for like 15 minutes. And uh, <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> it's basically uh, a little review of lathe, different types of lathes and uh, what they do, why you care, all that kind of stuff. Um, and if you want to support the show, you can. You could set up one of those uh, recurring support Patreon dealies at patreon.com slash woodtalk. You can pick up a woodtalk t-shirt at twwstore.com or you can leave us an iTunes review. Just head into iTunes, uh, use the search to find woodtalk and then uh, click on ratings and reviews. Leave a sweet little review there. Maybe we'll read it on the show. And Shannon, how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. Merry New Year! Yeah! <laughs> if you have stuff you want to tell us, there are a bunch of different ways you can do that. You can leave a voicemail on Skype. Uh, we'll talk online is our username. Our voicemail line is 623-242-5180. Uh, we have a contact form over at woodtalkshow.com slash contact. Or 
go to our website on this episode and leave a comment. And like Mark said, be nice. Lay Don't off the jerk your juice. comment with jerk juice. Yeah. Use eggnog instead. Mm. It's not too late. No. It's, the season is not over for <laughs> eggnog. Just don't put too much of the the JD in the eggnog or the jerk juice might come back. It might. So be careful about that. Everything in moderation. So, um, yeah, that's kind of it. We also have our own sites, woodwhisper.com, renaissancewoodworker.com, and mattcremona.com. Sweet. Giantbandsawmill.com. Yes. Oh, Oh, now you got to go buy that, Matt. Uh, God We always do this to you. Nice. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, it's, it's 2017. We're looking forward to a great new year of woodworking, conversation, chat, and hating one another. Because that's what we do. <laughs> yes. Greatly looking forward to hating one another. Yes. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Oh. Bye. See ya. <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.